Our scripture this morning, we have been um, in a sermon series about God's abundant love, and our scripture this morning comes from uh, Matthew chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, listen, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seeds fell on a path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. If you have ears to hear, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Um, we have been talking about God's abundant love. And um, if you remember a few weeks ago, we started the sermon series off um, with the passage from 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. It says where Paul is writing to the Thessalonian church about um, their calling as believers. And he says, we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So he writes about how um, in, the, in the Holy Spirit had manifested in the, the Thessalonian church by this increase in love and, and, and faith, this abundant growth. And so um, as we close out the series, I want us to look at this passage, um, this passage about abundance and abundance of crops. Um, if you look at the passage, though, just some, a little background, Jesus is talking to a crowd after having spent a day at, at the house probably of Simon Peter, um, and he's, he's been teaching for a while, and he needs to get some air because the crowd is growing so big um, that they've pushed him out of the house. And he goes to the seaside um, to a boat uh, to get in and to, to continue this message about the kingdom of God and what it means to be people of the kingdom of God. And he gives this story of the parable. Now, um, as I was preparing the sermon uh, and to talk about abundant love, I was thinking about my history with this particular parable because so often in seminary, particularly, I remember having a sort of a discussion debate about what to even call this parable. Um, in some Bibles, it says the parable of the sower, um, but in some Bibles, it says the parable of the soils, because there's different types of soils. And in some, in some Bibles, it says the parable of the seeds, right? What do you even call this, this parable? Because there's some things to note um, in this little parable that Jesus tells. Um, um, the, the, the parable, it's easy to focus on the soils. That was my argument back in seminary. I said it should be called the parable of the soils because when I many times when I've read this passage, I focus on the soils. And I say things like, God, I pray that I am good soil, that my heart is good soil, right? And I, I begin to think about being good soil and where the rocky soil is, right? Don't let me be rocky soil, Lord. Don't let me be, be the kind of soil that you find on the pathway. And maybe I think about other people and say, um, God, I, you know, they might be rocky soil. I pray for their hearts because 
They need to be good soil like me. It's a temptation, right? I'm just being honest with you to sort of compare soils. Um, especially for pastors, I will tell you that there are times when you get a bunch of pastors together and they'll talk about a pastor with a bi- really big church maybe and they say, oh, it's just because he had all of so and such and such type of people over there, right? They had a lot of money or whatever it is, right? And we start comparing soils. But I want us today to focus on the sower. Jesus talks about this sower who is sowing seeds in a way that we today would not ever sow seeds. Um, If anybody, any gardeners in here? Any gardeners? Okay, a couple. When you sow, when you garden, um, if you talk to a gardener, they don't just throw seeds haphazardly. Um, They go and they get, they they research the soil, a a mix of different kinds of dirt and compost, right? They they, they look at where it goes in the sun so they, they can put that one seed or two seeds in the exact right spot in the soil so that it can mature at the exact right way, right? They, they, they don't want to waste seed. But the sower in this story is just sort of throwing seed everywhere, right? It, it, you, it seems like it's being wasteful. I mean, the seed is falling on, on, on the pathway around the garden, out the backside of the garden in the rocky places. There's weeds in the garden and the seed is falling there. And, and, and the, the sower in this story doesn't seem to, to care where um, they're spreading their seed, right? This is an image, I think, of God because God's love is indiscriminate. It, it, God doesn't just show love in, for particular types of people or particular places. God's love is big enough that he sort of spreads it everywhere, right? It, God's grace and mercy is for everyone, not just for this part of the city, right? Not just for people with this, in this tax bracket. God's love is for everyone. God's love is, is sort of this indiscriminate love. I think this is something that we have to get a hold of, this idea of how we spread our love, how we share God's love in the world. Um, And I think there's a few points in this passage that that will help us to learn about how God shares his love in the passage. Um, Because when we talk about sharing our love, uh, again, if we think about a different parable, we don't love people this way, right? We don't love people indiscriminately. We kind of pick and choose. Um, even especially I was thinking about um, in my house, my, my oldest daughter reads many books. Um, you might have heard me saying um, I re- realized a few years ago that she reads faster than me and there was no way that I was ever going to ever going to catch up. Um, so that's just me being honest and upfront. Um, so I listen to audiobooks all the time to try to make sure I'm reading and knowing what she's reading as she picks up more and more books. And recently she's reading a story about um, a school called the School of Good and Evil. And it's a, a retake on fairy tales. So the point of the book is that um, there's a school where all of the villains and all of your fairy, the big bad wolf, whoever, they all go to one school where they learn how to be villains. And on the other side um, of this bridge, there's a school for good. And all the princesses and all of, all of the fairy tale princes, they all go to this school to learn how to be good, right? And what's interesting in the story is uh, the story is about one little girl who she wants to go to the school for good. She's going to be a princess. And not only that, she knows exactly the type of prince that she is going to marry. I mean, she knows his height, his the hair color, his eyes. She knows the kind of kingdom it's going to be near a seashore. She's got all of these visions. When we think about loving people, often we sort of get an image about the kind of people we love. 
right? Let me give you another example. When I was in, um, in Beaumont, I worked with this, this group called the Beaumont uh, Coalition for a Homeless Coalition, Beaumont Homeless Coalition, right? And we, we talked about uh, helping the homeless and how to alleviate the homeless. And one of the things that would come up in these meetings is um, the different ministries and, and nonprofits that work with homeless. They would say, well, we, we need to focus on the right kind of homeless people. Right? Some homeless people will come and they'll do the program and they're ready to get out. We need to focus on the right kind of homeless people. We don't want to waste money and time on the wrong kind of homeless people because there's limited resources, right? And I understand, I'm not criticizing, we understand, but in the story that we're given, that's not how God's love is presented. God's love is presented as indiscriminate. His grace um, is, is being cast about in all of these places, in places that, honestly, we wouldn't always go. If we are honest with ourselves, oftentimes we want to avoid the rocky places. We want to avoid the thorny places. We want to avoid the places that get too much heat in the sun, right? We want to avoid those places. But that's exactly where God's love shows up. So as believers, if we're going to, to sort of represent God's love, I think the first thing that we can understand is that we are called to, to love in indiscriminate ways. As a community of believers, what would it look like if we begin to love um, and, and we care about people, when, whoever walks in that door, I believe this is our calling as believers, whoever walks in that door, they get the same amount of love. We love them no matter if they come in with, with issues or, or with complaints, if they come in with a, a, a whole list of baggages, we love you just the same. If you come in and you're, you can plug into a ministry right away or you need to sit on the back aisle and hear a, a message or 20 or 100, right? We love you just the same. Who We are called to love indiscriminately. That's a challenge for us, but I, I believe that the first thing that we could pick up is this call to love, because when we love in this way, it impacts lives. And, and when we love in this way, it, it impacts lives that we would have not even noticed, right? I, I want to give you an example of me not loving in this way. Um, I started uh, the, my undergraduate in 2001. For some of you, you're like, that's really young. Some people are like, man, he's old, right? Um, <clears throat> so 2001, I started my undergraduate, uh, and you, as you all know, um, September 11 happened that September right as I started college. Um, and I happened to be in a calculus class that year, and we had calculus lab, and in lab, I sat next to a guy named Omar. Um, Omar is from the Middle East, a Muslim kid, and me and Omar, would get into, we just, for one, whatever reason, I do not know. Um, I was super, I was, I was brand new Christian. I was super zealous, and I wanted everybody to know why, they, why I was right about Jesus, and they were wrong. And so we would argue in the back of the class every day. Like every Tuesday and, and Thursday at class, we were arguing about, he, we would have these like sort of debates, these whispered, heated debates about, you know, if you believe that and why you believe this. And I was going to convince Omar about why he was wrong and why I was right and why Jesus was the way, because um, that was going to save him, right? Wrong. It never did. But what happened amazed me, what happened to Omar, um, somebody else who was more mature than me, uh, wiser than me, who followed the Lord more than I was following the Lord, I think, um, 
asked Omar. Omar was struggling. He was uh, having some issues with money. Um, and he told Omar, hey, if you come to my church on Wednesday night, you can get a free meal. That was it. He said, you can come. You don't have to stay for Bible study. You don't have to come to church. But before we do all the worship and stuff, you can come and get a free meal. And Omar was, poor college student, was like, I'll take a free meal wherever it comes from. And he, and he started going to this church on Wednesday night to get a free meal. And he comes to me one day. We've been having these debates, and we, we, we don't like each other. Then we like each other. And we kind of, we're kind of cool with each other as we argue. He comes to me one day, and he says, David, I got to talk to you, man. This church, I've been going to this church. And I'm like, you've been going to church? And in my mind, I'm like, wow, look at you, David. You did it, right? He's like, that's one for you, God. I did it. <laughs> he said, yeah, he tells me a story. His friend invited him to church just so he could get a meal. He's like, I just went there to get a meal. But these people love me so much. He said, I couldn't believe it. They, they, um, I, they would ask me how everything was going. I told them that I was struggling with rent, and somebody helped me with the rent. And he was like, I can't believe how much they love me. And he said, he came to me, and he's like, I'm really confused now because I thought I knew that I was right. But their love is making me rethink things. And I, I think about that because I was so sure that I was going to get him with my mind and God is telling me over and over again that the way I want you to impact the world is with your love. Love like I love. God's love is indiscriminate. It doesn't matter if he, Omar didn't come for Bible study. He didn't ever want to stay for any of that. But God's love impacted him because those people were willing to love him right where he was. We're called to love indiscriminately. Second thing I think um, it, the challenge in the text is that we're called to love faithfully, right? We're called to love faithfully, even when it seems like the crops won't come. Even when it seems like we won't get the harvest that we hope for, we're called to love faithfully. So um, our love is not contingent on, on the circumstance or the situation. Our love is contingent on the faithfulness of God, not on um, the, the fickleness of the situations that we find ourselves in. Um, we're called to love in ways that is consistent no matter who or what the situation we're in. One of the, uh, one of the ways to think about this um, is um, nurses. So there was an interview um, during COVID, right? And, and, and somebody was asking this nurse, do you ever think about the kind of patients that you have, whether they did it to themselves, basically, or, or anything like that. And this nurse said, no, I would never, I don't care who, who comes in here, I'm going to treat everybody the same. She said, she said um, I'm, every, every day I come and I work the same amount of energy, I'm going to give the same amount of effort, no matter who comes in or how they come in, whether you come in, you know, uh, 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 somebody who's been arrested for murder gets hit by, uh, by a car on the way to the jail, we're going to treat them the exact same way that we treat uh, Pastor David if he comes in, right? It's all the same. My, my, my care is faithful. It, it doesn't matter what season it's in or whatever. It's always going to be faithful. We're called to love faithfully because when we love faithfully, it might not produce crops today, but it will produce crops in time. Because our faithfulness is not based on what we get back, but it's based on God. And God is doing something even when we cannot see it. 
I, I believe that, that God works even when we are not aware of what's going on. A few years ago, I was, um, I was asked, my, my senior pastor, associate pastor, he said, David, I want you to start um, some new small groups this fall where summertime is like July. He's like, I want you to start some new small groups. Um, and I, and I, what I want you to do is try to reach some new people. And he said, especially, uh, we had a, a little day school at our church. Um, and he said, especially these parents, because hardly any of these parents actually go to our church on Sunday. So I want you to do something to reach them. And I was like, okay, I got it. And I, I met with the day school director and I said, we should do a class for, uh, for moms or parents about kids and technology. It'll be a few week, uh, four weeks, uh, four week class I think I did, and it's gonna be about kids and technology, right? And we'll do this class and the parents will definitely come because what parent doesn't want to talk about, learn more about how to you know, work with kids and technology, right? That's on every parent's mind. And so I, I promoted the class and I gave out donuts and, and pa passed out flyers for this class. And um, I want you to know that on that first day, I had a, a whole room of two moms that came to that class. I was really disappointed. I was frustrated. And, and after the class was over, I went, went down the hall and my senior pastor was like, so how did it go? What was the first day like? And I said, well, two people came. Um, and I was ready to give up on that class. I said, man, let me give it another week. I'll call some people. Hey, can you try to come? And, and the next week, two people, two moms showed up to that class again. Um, one mom that stayed the same and, and a different mom. So maybe three moms in total now, right? And every week there was just two or one mom at this class and I was not feeling excited, but my senior pastor said, keep, keep caring about them, keep showing up, be faithful. Two people show up, you gotta be faithful. I said, okay, I'm gonna be faithful. So I did this little class and I was really disappointed talking about faithfulness at the end of the class, the last day, one of the moms, the mom that showed up the most, um, she started talking to me. She said, she talks really fast. She said, Pastor David, um, you know, I just, I really love this class. I love, really love the idea of this class. And I just think that we should, and she's talking to me and I'm trying to follow her um, as she's talking to me. She's like, I really think that we should do something else. We got to reach moms. I think moms would really love something that was directed at them. And I said, okay, maybe we could talk about it, right? few months go by, she's got, she comes with this idea and she says, I got this curriculum, we'll do this class. Fearless moms. Cool, we, we start this class. First semester of this class, we reach eight, we got eight moms involved, right? The next semester, we have 25 moms. And then the semester after that, there's 40-something, uh, almost 50 moms, right? And I think about that because I would have never thought when she, that mom, that last day, I was ready to leave that class and forget about trying anything like that again. How many of us have ever tried something? We put our heart into something and we say, I'm not doing that again. I'm not putting myself out like that again because I don't want to be hurt like that again. I don't want to be disappointed like that again. And God calls us to be faithful in our love even past our disappointment and our frustration to be faithful in our love. Me personally, I would have never guessed that I would reach those 40 women. Not only that, but I would come and walk around the community and people would be say, hey, are you the church with the fearless mom class? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's us. I would have never guessed that. I, could, I didn't come up with that idea. 
God was working on something and he's answered my faithfulness in a way that I would have never imagined. So I challenge you that we are called to be faithful in our love. The last thing I would say <clears throat> that you see in this passage is that we call to sow abundantly. So abundantly. Uh, in the passage, um, the sower is he's throwing seeds around and he's sowing in a way that you would expect him to run out of seeds. But remember, we're talking about God. God's love is abundant. It doesn't run out. God is not in fear of running out of grace. God is not in fear of running out of power. God can keep giving and giving. And so God throws seeds out in places that it, it might not produce fruit. And in fact, uh, the, the passage, if you li listen to Jesus's explanation, sometimes seeds don't produce fruit. Sometimes people don't respond to God's love today or next week or next month. And that is fine. But God continues to love them. So then that's a challenge for us because God is calling us to love abundantly, to love in ways that go beyond what we even imagine we can give, right? To love in ways that we, because we remember that we are, we are worshiping the one who is the giver of all things, right? The giver of all life. And so we sow abundantly. Um, I've been reading a book called Lead Like It Matters. Um, and it's a, a, this pastor in Oklahoma has a really, really large church, um, and he's writing about, the, how, about some of the things that he says are essential leadership uh, traits of a church who is going to grow, who is going to produce. And one of the things he talks about is this idea uh, of believing in the abundance of God, of sowing in abundance. And he said when they were a young church, when they had only a few members in church, um, they had this discussion because there was a need in their community that somebody brought, and um, the initial conversation was like, we don't have a lot of money, we can't give to that. What if we give to that? Because we, how are we going to get that money back? It was all about, like, we might not have enough. But eventually they decided, they said, listen, we're going to give today like the church we want to be, not like the church that we are, right? We're going to give today believing that God is God, uh, God is big enough to take care of us even when we give. And so they decided to sow right then and there into that thing. And he talked about how um, because of that, people started to look to them in the community as people who gave. And he, he talked about how that one gift connected them to a community and began to bless that church in ways that they wouldn't have never imagined. And, and what I, I love about it is he's, he said challenges churches. He says you can't just give based out of your fear. You can't love out of your fear. You have to love out of your abundance. You have to love in remembering that you serve the God of abundance. Uh, you could think about it a different way. Um, Miroslav Volf is a, a theologian and he wrote a book, um, he works at Yale, he's a smart guy, and he wrote a book called Free of Charge, Giving and Forgiving in Today's Culture. And he draws this distinction between a Santa Claus God and the true God. And here's, he, he says this, he says, God is not an infinite Santa Claus. So what is the difference between a Santa Claus God and a gift-giving God? The bare bones answer is this. A Santa Claus God gives simply so that we can have and enjoy the things, so that we can be receivers, right? He gives just enough so you can be happy, 
A Santa Claus God would give you just enough so that you can say, ooh, this is great. Look at, uh, look at me. You can be like your kids on, on Christmas morning, right? And you have the thing that you want. But that is not the kind of God that we serve. We don't serve a Santa Claus God. We serve a, a gift-giving God. And he says, the true God gives so we can become joyful givers and not just self-absorbed receivers. God, the giver, has made us to be givers and obliges us, therefore, to give. Right? So, so what he's saying is that we serve a God who gives in abundance, who loves in abundance, not so that we can receive his love and say, I'm happy, but so that we can turn around and give what we have received. We are not meant to just be receptacles of, receptacles of God's love. We are meant to be um, spouts. We are meant to pour out God's love into the world around us so that God's love enters us and we pour it out and we share that love like that church did with Omar, right? Like, like so many people have done. This is the hallmark of Christian love. Since the beginning of the church, the hallmark of Christian love is this sort of love, this love that gives in abundance, that, get, that loves indiscriminately. Um, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but um, if you've ever wondered why there's so many churches like the Methodist, I mean churches, why there's so many hospitals like Methodist Hospital and St. Luke's Hospital, Catholics Hospitals, Baptist Hospitals, anybody ever wonder when did the church get into the hospital business? Well, it actually started at, in the early church um, because a plague broke out in Rome. And, and when the plague broke out, what, what would happen is that people would want to get rid of the plague. They would push people out. They would literally not want certain people, anybody who they thought had plague, to be around them because they were afraid that they would die. They were afraid of what would happen to them. And so families were separated and communities were broken apart because people would be shunted to the side. And the Christians entered in and they said, we are called to love faithfully. We are called to care for people um, no matter who they are, because God loves indiscriminately. Paul in, in the book of Galatians says, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're free or slave. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, man or woman, anybody, everybody, God loves indiscriminately. All are welcomed in this community. In Christ, we are all one. The church took that literally and seriously, and they began to welcome people in. We'll take care of you. We'll, we'll provide for your healing. And what happened is they created these little houses that, um, that all of a sudden just were houses for the sick. That's how hospitals were invented, by the church responding to God's love. This has been the hallmark of the church since the beginning, that our love shapes the world around us, not how pious we can be, not how, how, you know, how well we can debate our point or argue that we are right and they are wrong. That's never been our hallmark since the beginning. Our hallmark, the way that we change the world, is by the way that we love. God has called us to be sowers of love, love indiscriminately to give to live lives with grace and abundance and love and abundance to welcome all in so that anyone who comes in knows that this is a home for them so that all know that God's love is bigger than our building than our community 
than our little sect and our side. God's love is for the world. So I invite you, who will you love this week? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Merciful God, we thank you for your love. Your love is amazing, steady and unchanging. Your love is bigger than we can imagine and more than we could ever hope for. Lord God, let us be people who share your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I invite